Hello everybody, my name is Honey and you're listening to Respect My Voice on FNB Radio. I'm glad you're here and thank you very much to everyone who tuned in to the last show. Today's topic is sex workers' rights. We're going to discuss why exactly people go into sex work, the situation in the UK today, the possible dangers associated with this line of work and where to go to seek advice and support. We will also be joined by a special guest who elaborates on the need for decriminalisation and the intersectionality of sex work advocacy. Before I go any further though, I'd like to share some numbers in case anyone is affected by the issues raised in the show. If you'd like to speak to a trained worker at the Rape Crisis Helpline about any sexual violence or abuse, please call 0808-802-9999. That's 0808-802-9999. Or go to rapecrisis.org.uk. If you've been a victim of a hate crime and need support, you can call victim support on 0808-168911. That's 0808-168911. Or go to their website, victimsupport.org.uk. If you'd like mental health advice or support, you can call the Samaritans free on 116123. That's 116123. Or go to their website, samaritans.org. And if anyone has any ideas, stories or suggestions that they'd like to share for the show, please don't hesitate to contact me at honey at fmbradio.com. People engaged in voluntary sex work may come from backgrounds of poverty or marginalisation and face discrimination and inequality, including in their access to the job market. According to recent studies, up to 1 in 10 students in the UK have exchanged a form of sexual service for money, mainly to help with the cost of rising tuition fees and the cost of living. Some people from migrant communities turn to sex work if they have difficulties with integration or finding work. A sex worker supported by the Moi Migrant Project, part of the work done by Pal Nottingham, said about the help she received, it helped me realise that I have to look after myself, go and have regular health checks, stop sending money to exploitative boyfriends, which I'm not doing anymore. The vast majority of sex workers choose to do sex work because it's the best option they have, Quite a few struggle with poverty and destitution and have trouble finding other work. Some find that sex work offers better pay and more flexible working conditions than other jobs, and some see sex work to explore and express their sexuality. There is strong evidence to show that prostitution is on the rise due to increased austerity measures. For example, a 60% increase in street prostitution has been recorded in Doncaster, which is attributed to poverty caused by benefit sanctions. One in four young homeless women have engaged in sex work to fund accommodation or in the hope of getting a bed for the night. It's also important to note that 86% of austerity cuts have targeted women. Most sex workers are mothers working to support their families. Almost three quarters of off-street sex workers cited the need to pay household expenses and support their children. More than 70% of UK sex workers previously worked in healthcare, education or the voluntary sector. There are an estimated 72,800 sex workers in the UK, 88% are women, 6% men and 4% transgender. Sex workers and the transgender community have been entwined throughout history. Some of the trans community's biggest figureheads were also sex workers, such as Marsha P. Johnson and Sylvia Rivera, mainly due to societal exclusion, violence and discrimination. When I was studying for my Spanish A-levels, we looked at a film called Todo Sobre Mi Madre, or All About My Mother, which had very similar themes of transgenderism and sex work 
particularly covering the plight of those affected by the AIDS epidemic in Spain in the 1990s, so I would highly recommend giving it a watch. And if you're interested in learning more about the issues affecting the trans community, make sure to check out the last episode of Respect My Voice on Spotify and other platforms, which also discusses some transgender sex worker history in more depth. While it's legal to be a sex worker in the UK, working together or virtually any activity needed to contact a client is illegal. Two or more sex workers using a flat together can be done for running a brothel. This is a difficult situation because some sex workers work this way for safety reasons. Luckily, some women have been found not guilty by showing that the flat was run in a collective way for this reason. Safety measures like working with others and avoiding isolated areas can put sex workers at a greater risk of arrest. But these behaviours are often essential in order for sex workers to remain protected. It's illegal to solicit for sex on the street, otherwise known as curb crawling. It's also against the law to advertise sexual services. However, those who are convicted can get loitering and soliciting removed from their record so it isn't visible when applying for other jobs. It's a widespread opinion that sex worker organisations or movements are trying to actively promote or encourage sex work in mainstream society. This is a pretty simplistic view and it's not necessarily the case. For example, UK organisation Swarm says in response to this, We are not pro-sex work or sex industry advocates and we reject the simplistic portrayals of those who would cast us so. We're intensely aware that for many people the entrance point into sex work is one of exclusion or desperation. Why wouldn't we be aware of that? We are those people. But we assert that no one can label us victims and use our experiences to silence us because we're resourceful, resilient and the experts in our own lives. The vast majority of sex work organisations are campaigning for the decriminalisation of sex work in order to have a regulated market with protections in place for sex workers. Having sex work activities be illegal as they are at the moment just puts sex workers in harm's way. It also discourages them from seeking help from the authorities, for example going to the police if they're assaulted. A 2014 survey found that in areas where arrests of sex workers and clients were high, only 5% of sex workers who were victims of a crime reported it. This is compared to 46% of victims reporting in places where the police adopted a harm reduction approach. Many sex workers don't report rape or other violence for fear of being arrested themselves. Some organisations are fighting to change this. For example, Women Against Rape and the English Collective of Prostitutes helped two sex workers take a private prosecution against a serial rapist. In the end, they won and he was jailed for 11 years. There's also an element of mistrust between sex workers and the police because some officers abuse their powers. They may demand free sex, steal money or become violent. Welfare checks done by the police can be used to gather evidence for a case against the sex worker in question. Rising levels of xenophobia has created a situation where migrants are more likely to pursue sex work due to job market discrimination. They're also more likely to experience violence when they do sex work. Migrant sex workers are at risk of experiencing forced deportations for trying to make a living. Sex workers are also at high risk of contracting STDs or STIs. This isn't aided by the difficulty in accessing suitable healthcare due to budget cuts to community resources and sexual health clinics. In addition, since used condoms or other contraception can be used as evidence of prostitution, this can dissuade sex workers from using them at all, which is very dangerous. If a sex worker 
or anyone in fact contracts HIV, they become a target for stigma, judgment and harassment. They may be blackmailed if someone discovers their HIV positive status. Unfortunately, some groups and organisations choose to distance themselves from HIV positive individuals to appear more palatable to the public. In the same way, the HIV movement often denies sex workers in their community. The truth is that the HIV movement is an integral part to the history of sex workers worldwide, and vice versa, particularly those in the LGBTQ plus community. To exclude them would be to purposefully neglect the advocacy and struggle of those figures, and sidelining an important issue which still requires a lot more attention. A global review of violence against sex workers reported that up to three quarters of sex workers have experienced workplace violence in their lifetime. As I mentioned earlier, it's much safer to work indoors when others, but unfortunately this is illegal. Criminalisation has actually caused an increase in violence towards sex workers. For example, attacks doubling in Scotland after the introduction of curb calling laws. Here are a few organisations who are trying to speak up for the rights of sex workers. First is SWARM, or the Sex Worker Advocacy and Resistance Movement, which is a sex worker-led collective based in the UK, which was founded in 2009. They state their goal as to build a diverse and inclusive community of sex workers who work together to improve our working conditions and resist violence. The English Collective of Prostitutes, or ECP, is a network of sex workers working both on the streets and indoors campaigning for decriminalisation and safety. They fight against being treated like criminals. They say, most sex workers are mothers trying to do the best for their children. We campaign against austerity cuts for housing and other survival resources so that any of us can leave prostitution if and when we want. Power Nottingham is a non-profit organisation run by volunteers which supports the rights of sex workers and those at risk of exploitation and is based in Radford and Nottingham. They provide specialist help for online and off-street workers, students and under-25s, LGBTQ plus and migrant workers. They describe their aim as to empower our diverse community, focusing on ending violence and stigma through education, advocacy and peer support. Support for Student Sex Workers is an organisation run from Manchester University, which supports both student and non-student sex workers. They provide urgent support at admin at supportforstudentsexworkers.org or on their helpline, which you can text at 07861381289. That's 07861381289. All members of their team have had training from the Samaritans and mental health professionals. And now for today's interview. Today we have an interview with Carrie, a team member over at the English Collective of Prostitutes. So firstly, um, would you mind telling us a bit about the work that the ECP does and the impact that it has, please? Well, since uh, 1975, a long time, we have been campaigning for an end to criminalisation of sex work and not only campaigning for that but campaigning for uh, money and resources to go into women's hands so and like for instance in terms of grants now that you know to go back to grants now that loans have um, in some um, places um, colleges are saying that one in ten 
students is having to do some kind of sex work in order to survive because the loan system is so horrendous. So uh, money in women's hands in the form of, of grants, back to loans. Also, um, we campaign for higher benefits and, and wages and a care income for all those of us who are um, caring for people and the planet, which is most of us, which is most sex workers are mothers, you know, mostly single mothers. So we are already, um, you know, giving birth to and raising the population of the entire planet, no small matter. And um, that work has to be, if that work was recognised and paid for by governments, you know, for all that work that we're doing, then most of us would never go have to go into sex work in the first place. You know, we wouldn't, we wouldn't have to do that. So all those people who wring their hands and say, oh, those women are going to have to go into sex work, that's terrible. They should be pressing the government for money, you know, to go into women's hands, especially um, so that we don't have to go into sex work in the first place, you know, because we're just doing it to get some money. That's Absolutely. what it is. Well, that sounds um, like fantastic. So we also work. not only sorry, just one one last yeah, thing about ahead. what we do is we not only campaign um, for decriminalization and for money. Um, and resources but we also fight cases you know we fight legal cases if people come to us we're one of the few um, sex worker organizations that fights cases legal cases and so we help women in that, in that way and fight with them to um, get justice mm -hmm. brilliant that's much needed work thank you um, would you mind uh, explaining sort of what the, the main difficulties um, or sort of dangers faced by sex workers are at the moment um, yeah. Yes. Um, well, of course, yeah, poverty for all of us mm -hmm. is the first violence. And then, you know, we're, we're forced by that poverty to go into um, sex work, which is, you know, most of which is illegal. The most of the ways we are forced to work are illegal, to work safely. Um, and, and then, yes, and then we're forced into this work, then we're criminalised for it. Um, and the levels of violence um, are very high. You know, stalking levels went up, especially. Um, and, uh, of course, the police don't take reports uh, seriously. That's a very big problem. That's always been, it's a problem for everybody, or, well, for all women, especially, and all, um, you know, migrant people, black people of colour. You know, it's a very um, terrible problem that the police don't take um, reports against us seriously. Um, but in fact, I did see in the, in the press and Nottingham press that the police did go after um, a man who raped a sex worker in the Nottingham area um, in the last six months, I think it was. So that's a great um, move forward. That's very commendable. And it's an, probably an indication of how much work your local sex work project POW has done, you know, in really, pressing the police, you know, exposing what, you know, the police, what happens if the police don't go after violent men and really pressing for sex workers to be taken seriously, you know, any violence be taken seriously. So that's, that's, a, that's a very good <clears throat> thing that's happened in Nottingham, though, we know, I don't know whether, you know, we don't know whether that was a particular police officer who decided to take the whole thing seriously or whether it's, um, throughout Nottingham police who are now, because they didn't used to take violence seriously at all, I'm afraid. Mm -hmm. We had um, terrible reports from sex workers just being told when they came forward to report that they were just told to, you know, 
they come back when you're when your knee caps are broken you know it's just you know they weren't taken seriously at all and people would you know people who are most feisty would come forward and report when there was um an attacker going around um and then when she was rejected you know nobody else thought it was worth coming forward but there have been clearly changes some changes in nottingham which is great very very good no let's hope that continues (laughs) yes so thinking about sort of in terms of the the pandemic um yes yes um do you of course think- well the other thing with the pandemic yeah. sorry the other thing with um the uh, the difficulties at the moment is of course working during this pandemic and mm-hmm. of course people tried to stop working you know because they didn't want to you know have um face-to-face contact mm-hmm. uh, with people um, but that meant that they didn't have any money and so they didn't have any money to feed their families because most sex workers I said are mothers mostly single Mm -hmm. mothers supporting families both in this country and in other countries you know Mm -hmm. many migrant sex workers are supporting families elsewhere Um, so that was a terrible dilemma and because sex work isn't recognized as work you know sex workers aren't um, eligible uh, able to access you know, the the benefits that other workers have, you know, have been able to access, you know, so that they don't have to um, continue working. So, um, as I say, most sex workers have tried to stop working or some have had to, you know, continue, but just to do it as, as absolutely carefully as possible mm-hmm. um, so that they don't put themselves and their families at risk. And of course, many um, sex workers have, have gone online, you know, oh, and are now working online. Um, Mm-hmm. but which is you know you, you, where, where you can still earn money but it's less money so you have to work many more hours in order to make the same money yeah um I can imagine it must be quite difficult um during the pandemic for sex workers to access sort of help and support especially face-to-face that they might need as well um well yes it's um the, the police have actually continued to focus on sex workers even throughout the, can- the pandemic, which is an absolute mm-hmm. outrage. And people are very um, people are very careful about um, accessing um, any help from any authorities, you know, because you don't mm-hmm. people don't know how much the which this authority or that authority is wound, you know, and working with the police. So that has made it very difficult. Um, and it's um, it's it's really hard, you know. It's hard for people to really pin down how much they can trust um, outreach projects. Uh, but um, your local project um, is extremely independent, mm-hmm. and um, I'm sure that sex workers in your area know that they can, you know, they can contact <clears throat> POW, and they won't, you know, they'll be p- completely safe to do that. Um, but it, that's not that that's not the same everywhere. Uh, but but a lot of sex work projects are still continuing to provide you know resources for sex workers. It's just on a, a slightly scaled back. Um, it's slightly scaled back. Yeah, yeah, I can imagine. Um, so a little while ago, you were talking about how some sex workers have had to move online because of the pandemic. Um, yeah. Do you sort of see the emergence of new sites? Um, such as sort of OnlyFans as a positive or a negative development? Well, it's not, you know, it's not in that way, it's not positive or negative. It's just been a necessity. Mm-hmm. Okay. <laughs> and, uh, you know, 
a lot of people have had to do that um, and, um, you know, work online. Um, you know, people, as I say, it's just the same story. You know, you have to earn money. You have to feed your children. There are very, few, you know, as women, we have very few options. You know, mm -hmm. our options are either to go into um, a low paid job uh, with which, you know, might have, you know, bad working conditions, you know, in difficult hours. Um, at least with sex work, to a degree you can choose, you know, you can try and work, you know, when it's convenient. Um, of course, if you're working at home, it's more difficult. You know, if you're working, sorry, if you're working online, it's more difficult because then you have to be careful about that you're, most people don't tell their families what they're doing. You know, they're going out and they're saying they're doing some other job. But then if you have to uh, work online then you have to find a time to do that anyway I mean we in fact in terms of other jobs um, we did a whole piece of research called what's a nice girl doing um, like you doing a job like this and we found that we looked at other jobs and we found that there were very very many other jobs that um, women generally go into you know, care work and teaching and hairdressing and all the rest of it. And that there were nursing and all sorts. And um, there were many of those jobs that people were, you know, found. I mean, it's not just sex work, which, is, you know, which has difficult conditions and maybe, you know, you face violence. But in many, very many other jobs, you know, people are, women are facing very bad conditions, low mm -hmm. wages and bad conditions. So, in, in that situation, if those are your options, then it's no surprise that, you know, you know, that many people have had to turn to sex work. You know, it's not ideal. <laughs> you know, it's just a job. Um, and mm. the problem with it is it's criminalised, you know. Yeah. Um, but it's a job like, you know, it's basically a job like any other. And we, um, you know, our options are bad. You know, and that's what needs changing. And that's why a care income would be good, because, you know, we could, you know, we could say, well, no, I mean, I already have a care. I have a care income. I have a basic income for the work I'm already doing. And um, I'm not going to take your low paid, bad conditions jobs um, because I don't have to in the same way. You know, we only take those jobs because we're forced to do that. And um, sex work is one of those jobs. That's very interesting. Thank you. Well, on your website, um, talking about sort of jobs, um, it says that the ECP is um, against rehabilitation schemes because they sort of force you into uh, lower paid uh, jobs. Would you mind explaining the stance a little bit more? Well, um, there's something called a rehabilitation order, which people can have placed on them and they're part of the criminal justice system. Yeah. But um, we are concerned that when people have to rehabilitate, they're being, you know, pushed into low, again, low waged, low wage jobs, you know, that I just um, mentioned. And, you know, that's not acceptable. Um, so, that's really why we think that there has to be a change in the recognition of the work that women do caring for each other and the planet. And this has to be recognized and paid for. And 
you know, it's not acceptable for rehabilitation schemes only. You know, obviously it's good if people can get out of prostitution, fine. But the question is, how are you going to get your money mm -hmm. after that? And it's not uh, right that people are only offered, you know, as an alternative, um, you know, low-waged low -wage jobs. And these rehabilitation schemes and projects really have to be pressing the government for money for women so that you know there's a real alternative to sex work you know if they want us to get out of sex work we have to have real altern alternatives um, and that's a very big problem you know with these schemes because there are very few moments there are very few alternatives to you know to, for women to earn some money and you know especially as most of us are mothers you know it's a very difficult situation to be in absolutely i completely agree um so at, at the moment, there's there's a system of uh, partial criminalisation in place over activities like um, soliciting or curb calling or brothel keeping, as you know the legal terms. How do you think this system can be changed, reformed, um, to be to make life safer for sex workers? Well, we don't need to be reformed. It needs to be completely changed. Completely. Hey, there we go. <laughs> we have, the laws have to be gotten rid of. You know, it's it's consenting sex. Sex work is consenting sex right. and should never be anything to do with a criminal law. You know, I mean, years ago, you know, back in the 60s, you know, gay sex was against the law. I mean, it was only changed in the 60s, wasn't it? Mm -hmm. So, you know, for many years, consenting sex has been against the law and it changes. I mean, things do change. And in fact, um, you, the place in the world which has the most, the best laws we think has the best laws so far is New Zealand they're not perfect in, but in New Zealand they have decriminalized they, de they decriminalized sex work back in 2003 and there are verifiable results uh, starting with sex workers being able to say say they say they that they are feel safer that they have more legal um, and other rights and um, they are able to come forward and report any violence or attacks to the police without fear of arrest I mean at the moment you know if you I mean if you're attacked you know you you don't most sex workers don't come forward and report attacks because they know the police are going to be much more interested in going after you and getting a very easy arrest and prosecution than they are going after the assailant mm -hmm. um, and they just don't we know that the police themselves are um are rapists and violent men many many in the police we know that quite recently don't you we but they are they have and they've also it's also been clear that the police i mean that the um figures for um prosecutions um not only prosecutions but um you know when you uh, sorry doesn't matter um let me just rephrase that um, it's very difficult to get the police to take violence against any woman seriously, never mind if you're a sex worker and you're criminalised. Uh, or, you know, and especially if you're migrant or, you know, you have any vulnerability or trans. Um, and um, what we need is an end to criminalisation so that the police have to change their relationship, as they've had to do in New Zealand, with sex workers and prioritise um, protection, our protection over prosecution. That has to be the way to 
standpoint. And that's the only, you know, it's not a question of reforming the loitering and soliciting laws. There's no thing. And, but um, tragically, and, um, and um, we're fighting it with our massive movement, um, the, the, it's very outrageous that some Labour women MPs are putting forward legislation which to criminalise clients, which is terrible, which because any, any um, increase in criminalisation makes it more dangerous for sex workers. Mm-hmm. And um, criminalisation of clients does not help sex workers in any way, shape or form. So um, one of the things, you know, that people can do if they want to help us is to um, go on go on to our website. You know, we have a pledge. People can sign for decriminalisation. They can join us in the fight against criminalisation of clients, which we have kept. We, we we've managed to do so far. Um, it has been brought in, in in a number of countries, and it's been an absolute disaster uh, for sex workers where it has been um, brought in. Um, and um, yes. People can help us in, in that way, you know, in, in our direct campaigns. You no, know, we let people know, people who are on our mailing list, people can go on our mailing list. They can follow us on Twitter and Facebook, <laughs> can become involved if they want. They can People can volunteer for us. Um, people can donate to us if they want to. Um, and, uh, yes, you know, can really support our work. And because things have very much changed, you know, over the, the years of, of campaigning, there's a there's now a, a really massive international um, movement of sex workers to end criminalisation. And, um, you know, we're very much part of that. And um, yes, we are. We, we've been around for a long time and very, very much been, uh, you know, not at the forefront, but, you know, we have been um, very key to you know because we we we, we have um, been very um, clear in that we are pressing the government for very big changes and, yeah. and people know about us you know definitely okay so there are a few ways that we can help you um, um, so we are running low on time so I'll ask you one final question so obviously um, Brexit has brought about many difficulties for migrant workers and um, has triggered a number of deportation orders. Um, Would you say that migrant sex workers are particularly a vulnerable group to this? Absolutely. I mean, Brexit has increased racism, hasn't it? Yes. Um, (laughs) Against um, migrant people. And... um, Migrant sex workers are, you know, often in very difficult situations, you know, without or migrant people without papers um, and have to be extremely careful of the um, of the authorities. Um, yes, but police do target sex uh, migrant sex workers all the time. That is, you know, that's an, that's an absolute, absolute outrage because um, and they do it under the guise of saving victims of modern slavery uh, where Whereas we know all the best research shows that it's less than 6% of migrant sex workers who are forced or trafficked. Mm -hmm. And there are many other industries that, um, you know, migrant people are forced into, you know, in this country, you know, like the agricultural industry, you know, many other, no number of other industries. um, And people don't make such a fuss about that. I mean, nobody should be forced into any job of course Mm -hmm. um 
But there's a lot of misinformation and lies put around about, you know, by the government, you know, and by the media to justify, you know, raids on on migrant sex workers. And um, we've been fighting, you know, migrant sex workers in our group have, you know, spearheaded campaigns, you know, to um, win against deportation orders, you know, and to, you know, and to uh, establish people's rights. Um, and uh, we have a rights sheet, in fact, on our website that people can have a look at for, for uh, migrant sex workers. Oh, great. So, you know, we have rights sheets for sex workers in, in every situation, including uh-huh. um, migrant sex workers. So people are very welcome to have a look at that and get the information yeah. and contact us. Yeah. Oh, great. Well, thank you so much to Carrie for joining us today and taking the time to educate us. Um, make sure to check out the ECP website to donate and sign the pledge. Thank you so much. Thank you. Welcome. Bye. <laughs> Another huge thank you to Carrie for joining me. For our reflection today, I'd like us to have a think about our own prejudices towards sex workers and sex work as a profession. Sex work is highly, highly stigmatised and sex workers are often sneered at and judged. The first assumption people jump to is that sex workers are drug addicts or trafficked or morally perverted. Studies have shown that the majority of sex workers are not trafficked or in drugs. One study of migrant workers discovered that under 6% had been trafficked. Quite a few stated that they held a preference for sex work over the exploitative conditions of other non-sexual jobs. There are claims that over 95% of women in street prostitution are drug users. However, this figure comes from a 2004 study of 71 women in Bristol who were particularly vulnerable as two-thirds were homeless. This is unrepresentative of the profession as a whole. Sex workers who don't use drugs have little contact with such projects and are unlikely to be surveyed. Ultimately, there's no evidence that drug use among sex workers is higher than any other job. And within this stigma, there's added complexity. There is what some may label a hierarchy. This is where sex work, which is closer to clients, for example, street prostitution, is labelled as disgusting or unacceptable. Whereas other sex work, such as starring in porn, is distanced from the real life implications and therefore seen as more palatable. It's important for you to think where you personally would draw the line and why. Today, think about why some of this work is illegal while other parts are revered. Why would someone be perfectly comfortable paying for porn, for example, from their laptop, while also being perfectly happy to pay taxes for other types of sex workers to be arrested? Thank you for listening. It's been a pleasure hosting for you. And just to reiterate, if you'd like to contact me with any stories, suggestions or feedback, my email address is honey at fnbradio.com.